if we break this down into basic numbers, a million dollars is simply four products that sell 25 sales a day. That's 100 sales a day at a $30 price point. On an average price point, 100 sales a day times 30 bucks, $3,000 a day. It's like 1.1-ish million dollars, something like that. And so all we need to reverse engineer is getting those 100 sales a day over the next 12 months. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Do you tune in regularly to Superhumans at Work podcast to get your ideas on how to be a superhuman at work? I would love to hear from you what has been some of the most transformational ideas that you have heard on this show and possibly feature you in one of our stories. Be sure to reach out to me at jason at mindvalley.com and send me a quick email about your story of transformation so we can start a conversation and get you featured on Mindvalley. Now, let's get started with this episode. Hey everybody, this is Jason Campbell and welcome back to Superhumans at Work. The guest that I have today has published a book that will definitely get your interest from its title, 12 Months to $1 Million. Does that sound like an exciting proposition? It is. And the fact is, is this man is the founder of capitalism.com and the host of the Freedom Fast podcast. Over 300 new entrepreneurs build seven-figure businesses under his leadership, and he teaches all sorts of aspects that it takes to be extremely successful in building yourself as an entrepreneur. But what we're going to do today is break down some of the core elements from his book that really lets you identify what stage are you in and what are the actions you should be doing, whether you are an entrepreneur or you're within a company and you're realizing potentially during the cases of COVID, it might have rattled how things were. You might have shifted in the state that you need to operate now as opposed to how things were. And so how do you use the blueprint that he has written about and has allowed people to get to a million dollars within 12 months can actually be applied on how do you bounce back whenever we see ourselves in this situation or where you are currently as an entrepreneur, you'll be able to gain incredible insights by getting awareness of where you are, how you get yourself back on your feet. And if you're generating a million dollars for yourself or you're building a brand new department within your company and you're really trying to get back on your feet, this is going to be the blueprint to get you there. So it's with my immense pleasure that I bring Ryan Daniel Moran to the podcast with us. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you've been hosting this podcast, Freedom Fast Lane. You've had capitalism.com. And now this new book just got put together, 12 months to $1 million. Some people might say it sounds too good to be true. What do you typically say to people? And how did you get yourself with writing this book? I started my, what I would consider my first real business back in 2013 with a $600 investment. And we started this company with my partner, Matt, with 600 bucks. And we were going over our goals and our projections for the company. And he said, to be honest with you, dude, I'd be happy if I just made like a few thousand dollars a month with this. And I was like, dude, no, $100,000 a month. That was the goal for the year. And I knew that if we set that as a target for us to hit together, we would align all of our resources in order to do that. It's amazing what happens when you come together with somebody else and you set an aligned goal and aligned vision together. And in order to hit that, we had to cut out everything that held us back from hitting those goals. So being a new entrepreneur or going in a new direction in life and you set a target that you've never hit before, one of the things that becomes necessary is for you to strip out all the things that will slow you down or get into your way. 
And so we just set out a path for ourselves that would help us get to that $1 million a year mark as quickly as possible without focusing on anything that might slow us down. So anything that might be a distraction from that goal, we eliminated. Anything that would speed us up became a priority. And what we discovered is that the things that you start out doing that seem insignificant start to compound over time. And most entrepreneurs or managers or people working in any business will discard a lot of things that don't get early traction because they're not keeping a 12-month run rate in mind. But as you do the right things that compound over time, you're able to hit that number fairly predictably. And so we kind of break it into three stages that when you identify where you are in these three different stages, they'll help you align where you need to be focused in your business so you can cut out everything else and just focus on what's in front of you. And as a result, the result that you're going for becomes really clear when it's right in front of you. Now, Ryan, what I love what you just said right there is for one, you set a bold goal as opposed to a mediocre goal. And that shifted the decisions you had to make. Why is it that people prefer, like, I I know it sounds almost like I'd be like, hey, why would I set a hundred thousand a month goal when it sounds so unrealistic? But at the same time, it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what was the mental decision that needed to be here and the result of it? I just knew that if the two of us had the same goal together, it would align our decisions moving forward. And I wanted to make the decisions that would lead us to a seven-figure business rather than a small business that never allowed us to live the lives that we were really excited about. And I knew that if we came together and we both had that shared vision that we could get there. I think when you're working alone or your goal is something that you're taking on just by yourself, it's harder to set that bigger goal because you're the only person holding yourself accountable. But when you're with someone else and you're doing something aligned together, then you can rely on that other person, push one another, and also combine the resources that you both bring to the table. At least in my experience, I found it easier to set what you might consider impossible goals when there's someone that you trust running alongside you. Whereas when we're solo, we tend to set mediocre goals that don't really excite us and as a result, get mediocre results. Interesting. So now we're talking about actually having somebody with you. And I can think about a time when I'm actually, if I take a scenario of being within a company, I'd be actually thinking of when, okay, if one person on the team is saying like, yeah, we just want to get this business as usual done. But if you're coming up and saying, no, we should actually chase a bigger goal, getting everybody aligned into committing to a bigger goal just allows everybody to start getting better results. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. And it's also the four minute mile principle. When somebody hits it, it becomes much more feasible and easy for your brain to understand that this is actually possible. And when one of your partners or someone that you work closely with says that this is going to be a goal of theirs, other people might think it's impossible until they start to get close to it. And then that four minute mile principle unlocks that possibility for everyone who is paying attention. Love it. Now, I know within your book, you actually break down three major phases that are created when somebody pursues a big goal like making a million dollars here. For the listeners here, we're actually adapting this principle so that it can be applied in the business as well. But the principles are the same as if you're chasing yourself a million dollars, this is going to be what it looks like. 
And what I love is that you talked about this idea of delayed gratification. It seems like it's easier to do the activities that are kind of getting you towards a mediocre goal because it's kind of like doing the same thing without much challenge. Yet you see it that when you have this big goal, it actually starts creating kind of phases. And so I'd love for us to kind of break down these phases on what to expect if you're chasing these big goals. You got it. So let's cast a broad vision because once we understand the numbers behind a million dollars, they stop being so scary. So going from zero to a million sounds really hard to a lot of new entrepreneurs or new managers. But if we break this down into basic numbers, a million dollars is simply four products that sell 25 sales a day. That's 100 sales a day at a $30 price point. On an average price point, 100 sales a day times 30 bucks $3,000 a day, it's like 1.1-ish million dollars, something like that. And so all we need to reverse engineer is getting those 100 sales a day over the next 12 months. So if we break it down to that, it doesn't seem quite as unrealistic. So we break this into three stages, and they're each a four-month stage. So the first stage is four months, and I call it the grind. And this is all of the annoying hard decisions that you need to make in order to have absolute clarity for you to move quickly. Now for a new project or a new business or a new initiative within your company, there is a lot of clarity that requires decisions that you need to make before you can move quickly. Who's the customer? How are we gonna launch this? What's our funding? What's our launch plan? Who's our customer? All of these things that slow down decisions if they're not made up front. So what we go through in those first four months is just making all of those decisions. So at the end of that four-month stage, we've taken one sale. That's the only thing we need to focus on. In fact, when I'm working with new entrepreneurs or people who are working on new projects, the thing that I always say is we eliminate anything that delays the money-getting date or the sale date or the action date. So the whole goal of that first stage is to get the first win, which is a sale. And we're going to move everything out of the way that prevents us from taking a sale. So we make all the decisions necessary to get that first sale. That unlocks stage two. And stage two, I call the growth. And the growth is about getting that one product to a consistent 25 sales a day. Why? Because if we can get to 25 sales a day once, it's like laying the pavement, carving out the road for us to put more cars on the road. So if we can get one product to 25 sales a day, which is going to require us figuring out the systems, making some mistakes, once we've done that over the next four months, we can roll out product number two, three, and four and be driving a lot faster. So we've got all four products doing 25 sales a day. So how do we do that? During this second stage, during this second part of the process, our focus is on doing the micro things that move the needle inch by inch by inch to that primary goal of 25 sales a day. So in my world, that looks like screenshotting every piece of customer feedback and putting it on social media and responding publicly. It means taking the screenshot of the negative review you've got on Amazon for your book or for your product and responding and addressing it publicly. It means reaching out to every customer. It means taking your product and reaching it out to every free marketing channel possible like influencers and bloggers and reviewers and people who have email lists and PR and doing every podcast. It means pounding the pavement of every opportunity 
while you're in yes mode. You are in yes mode and responding to every piece of positive feedback that comes out publicly. It means creating the content, celebrating every win, responding to the DMs, replying to the comments. It means being very active in that community because you will find that as you do that consistently, the traction gains momentum very quickly and 25 sales a day comes into view because it really takes one major influencer, one major plug, one great review, one thing to spread for you to have 25 consistent sales every day. And at that point, you have a customer base and now you've got momentum. So if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're in an organization and your sales in your project or in your department seems stuck, your job is to go where there is some momentum and give all of your attention to that momentum. So often we put our attention on what's broken rather than where there is incremental progress. And if you put your attention on that incremental progress, it starts to compound very quickly. Watch what happens when you start showing appreciation for the customers that are showing up. Watch what starts happening when you start replying to the comments you are getting. Watch what happens when you just kill it for every piece of PR that you do get and then trying to maximize every little piece of that. It becomes like a snowball. And within about four months, we can predictably get to 25 sales a day. And I'm talking about if you're a solopreneur who is doing this for the first time, if you're an organization, you'll blast through that because you've got a customer list and you've got previous customers and you have connections and you've probably got an advertising budget. But for the person who is doing this on their own, bootstrapping, we're talking about momentum to just get to that first 25 sales a day. And it happens within about four months. So at that point, we're eight months in. Some people would say we've given this a fair shot eight months in. And all we're doing is getting 25 sales a day. Now the fun happens. We graduate into that third stage. That third stage is what I call the gold. This is where we start to profit and where we really start to scale. Because now we've got the inroads, we've laid the framework for us to be able to get 25 sales a day on a product. Now we can launch product number two and it can get there a lot faster because we know the systems, we know what works, we have previous customers, we have an existing distribution base, we have people talking about us, it's faster for us to get reviews and feedback, we have more connections, we have more cash flow to be able to invest in advertising, and so we can release product number two number three, and number four within that last four months. And when we have those four products doing 25 sales a day at a $30 price point, we've got a million dollar business in 12 months. Ryan, I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh my God, I need to learn more about this. It doesn't seem so difficult now, right? It's not. It's, it really breaks it down and takes away the stress. And uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I've seen Mindvalley be in these different stages. You know, Even as an established organization, there are different times where we're facing different market conditions or we're doing different types of innovations internally that make us go through these types of phases. I want to give an example. I remember when I first joined Mindvalley, which is almost seven years ago now, and we were actually doing all sorts of different launches in all sorts of different ways at the time. And then we said, hey, we actually need to actually build a system. And what we decided to do is actually become consistent on the way that we launch a single product. And so we worked on one. We went through the grind of determining what is, we used to call it our Mind Valley straight line. So how do we get to clear? Like, what is the data we need to measure? What is it that's relevant? How do we actually replicate this? So we can start doing not just, I think we used to do like four product launches a year to how do we do two a month? 
And it was a whole process of reinvention that we had to go through a grind. And then once we nailed this, then we started actually growing. We started actually saying, okay, how do we make this better? How do we tweak the engine? How do we make sure that it gets better and better? And then finally, we got to a stage where now we could replicate every single thing that we did and we grew as an organization. But even interestingly enough is that once we got the gold, it didn't stay there because there was always new challenges, new innovations, new products to go into. And so even now, if I think about when COVID happened, it was very interesting because I think we fell back into a growth kind of phase because that was the number one thing we did is we started talking to customers. Like right now, I even as myself, I find myself jumping on the phone with customers to try to understand them better. So we can actually design things that will serve them better and really focus on that before we start thinking, hey, we got this all figured out. And this was going to be the question I was going to ask is, if you're a company that's in this gold phase, what are the potential pitfalls or blind spots that can happen if you feel that you can always stay within the gold phase? You know, what's interesting is the biggest mistake or the biggest challenge that I see organizations run into when they're already over a million dollars or in that gold stage is they go into defense mode. They have reached a certain goal and instead of going back to launching new initiatives, kind of going back into the grind to develop new systems, they go into defense mode and their product launches become accessories or add-ons rather than new innovations. And the way that they serve customers is to hold the line rather than to dive deep and to serve them. And they stop reinventing themselves and they stop communicating in a deep way to their customers. They stop thinking about service and expansion and they start thinking about protecting the empire. Now there's something to be said for that so that you can catch your breath or catch up to what you have created, but it requires that an organization go back into developing new ways to serve their customers if they're going to continue to grow. Otherwise, there's going to be some new innovative company that goes through the grind and listens to their customers closely. In fact, this is what we're seeing on kind of a global scale. We're seeing, I talk about this in the early chapters of the book, that there's this changing of the guard of big brands being replaced by small innovative companies that have the capacity to go after small micro audiences and just serve them relentlessly. Big brands don't have the ability to be as nimble and fast in their innovation and their service to customers, whereas small, oftentimes internet-based brands have the ability to pick a very specific customer base and serve them like crazy. An example is the shirt I'm wearing in front of you, Jason, is a company called Public Rec. Public Rec is an online direct-to-consumer company that their target market is professional men who travel a lot. That's this guy right here. That's me. And it might be the exact same shirt as I can get at Target. I don't know because I don't go to Target very often, but I see an ad that is directly targeted to me about why this shirt is great for professional men who travel. Once again, it might be the exact same shirt I could get at Target, but I see it marketed directly to me, and this brand's differentiating factor that relates to me is very clear in their advertising. So I probably paid four times the price I would pay if I went to Target and got the exact same shirt, but in my mind, this is the brand for me. And that's what we're seeing happen on a global scale. We're seeing these micro-brands gain foothold because they're able to capture a very specific part of the market that they serve, which makes it easy for them to listen 
to tailor their marketing message, to give them exactly what the customer wants. Whereas big brands are struggling to serve their customers, they're operating in defense mode and they're going out of business. Is it just me or I've also noticed big brands that might be doing this well are actually creating sub-brands within their brands and going through the grind. And the first example that comes to mind is I remember I was in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And, you know, love it or hate it, I'm going to say I love it, but I would love having a coffee at Starbucks. I have nothing against it. I'm not a hater, but I just have brewed coffee. I'm not one that likes lattes, right? But then I walk into this one shopping mall and it's not quite Starbucks. It looks a little different. It looks a little, do I dare to use the word hipster? And then there's this word reserve written. And I walk in and they have these single drip cafes and like, it's so much more like a little boutique coffee. And I'm like, wow, I thought this was only like the hipster little coffee shops that would do these kinds of offer. And I'm realizing Starbucks created a sub-brand to tailor exactly like the types of people I am, which is kind of more about just the coffee, not about the milks and the sugar and stuff. And now they kind of created a sub-brand. And I'm assuming they would have had to go through a similar process to get that happening. Is that a successful way of kind of continuing to grow as a brand? It is. But what you're seeing in more often is that these large brands can't innovate fast enough to be able to keep up. So what they do instead is they acquire the businesses that are started by small one and two person entrepreneurs who start something on the side, pick a very specific target market, go all in on serving them. And now they capture this very specific rabid part of the market. And then in comes a larger brand who comes in and buys that business. So that's my story, for example. That business that I started with $600, I grew to about a $10 million a year company and I sold that company for a nice eight-figure payday. That was my big financial win. And I have students who have done exactly the same thing. I have a student who started a brand with under $5,000. It was a, a supplement company where they just dominated a very specific vertical on amazon.com. They ended up getting acquired by a publicly traded company for $20 million a few years in because that publicly traded company was looking for inroads in Amazon. And they had these other brands that were doing well in retail, but they didn't have any brands that were dominating Amazon. So as a result, they got a new marketing channel for all of their brands because this, this husband and wife team decided to go all in on one specific type of customer. And that's happening all over the place. And today, we have the ability to get in front of all of these micro brands through Facebook ads or Instagram ads or YouTube videos or podcast sponsorships or influencers or content marketing or search engine optimization. Any organization in any department can carve out a very specific target market, go all in on them and dominate that market. I mean, just think 50 years ago, would Mind Valley have been possible? No, because there was no ability to take the message that Mind Valley represents and get it directly into the hands of individuals who are craving the message that Mind Valley distributes. But now we can do that through advertising and connections and influencers and content marketing. And so we can deliver exactly what the customer wants, charge a premium for it so that we're profitable, and we carve out a specific area of marketplace dominance 
And what we're seeing is that big brands then come in, can't compete, and so they just acquire those brands in order to have exposure to that market. That's amazing to hear. And that gives a lot of hope. I mean, you break it down into ways that are so simple. And I know that at the core of everything here is really just deeply caring about a very specific set of people, which I think is just a great way to start leading. You're talking about just care so much about this very small group of people. And you have not only the residual monetary income that can come when you go through these four phases, but you even have these potential big outs that can exist from other companies that just can't be as nimble as the individuals. And so whether you're an entrepreneur or a freelancer, watching this blueprint is going to be super powerful for you. And if you're within a company, you're either going to be watching other small entrepreneurs that are doing this to see what are markets that you can acquire that already have established, loved, and, and curated attention so that you can bring this within your own larger organization. Or you can see if you're carving out your own department where you can go through these phases, you can quickly grow a new department, a new stream of income, which actually I was going to close off with this, Ryan, which is just in the times of COVID, are we seeing this formula be something more effective, less effective? And what are things we should know as we navigate these specific times? My experience and my observation is that it's happening faster and it's happening more effective now than previously. I mean, look at all of the economics that have changed. Amazon stock continues to go up. Amazon buying continues to go up. And get this, Jason, here's a lot of things that a lot of people aren't talking about. Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram ad costs are down. So advertising costs are down. Influencers have lost sponsorships, so they're cheaper than ever. There is more demand for online shopping, and big brands are going out of business, so they have to buy more businesses in order to stay profitable. So we have accelerated the rate, and right now we're in this very cool window of opportunity where there's more customer demand, there is less available shopping because people can't go into retail stores, ad costs are down, exposure is up, and it is simply a wide open space for entrepreneurs to carve out their space and serve their customers like crazy. That's amazing to hear. And so if you're listening to this episode, know that now is actually a great time. And Ryan, thank you so much for walking through these principles. This is so powerful. And I think, you know, as you explained that these companies that were kind of in the defense mode, the ones that weren't ready to innovate and go back into the grind are the first ones that are suffering during these times, which is creating all these new opportunities for individuals. So if you pay close attention throughout this episode, we really broke down that to get to a million dollars in 12 months is not that difficult. We talked about a $30 product, 25 sales a day, and you had a blueprint on how you can actually get there. You start with the grind, which is making sure you're getting rid of all the things that are holding you back towards getting your first sale. That first sale is magical. And you're going to decide who am I going for? What are all the logistics that need to be in place? What are the systems I'm using? All of those little details. If you set that four month goal that you're going to get that one sale, then this is really the grind where you figure everything out so that you can start with this new initiative and get that first sale going. The second phase, the growth is where you start replicating that one sale to get it to a 25 sale a day medium. So you're going out, you're listening to the customer, you're getting yourself out there. And this is really putting your message out, trying to find the, all the different ways that you can generate the sales in a way that it is profitable, whether it's through the content, the influencers, the podcasts, whether it's running ads, but you're trying to find the ways that you can get yourself to doing 25 sales a day. 
And then finally, the final phase is the goal where you see what you did and worked, and you get to replicate it up to four different product lines that are doing the same. And once you've went through the process once, going through it twice is easier, and the third time is easier, the fourth time is easier. And once you get to that place of gold, you are on your way to making a million. But what's very interesting is as an organization, anytime you start a new initiative, you're following the same pattern. And don't forget, when you get to the level of gold, don't find yourself simply being in defensive mode. You need to push yourself to get back into the grind to keep pushing innovations so the organization reinvents itself, you reinvent yourself, and you're staying ahead of times regardless of the market conditions. Ryan, this was a powerful interview with a lot of actionable stuff. For people who want to pick up the book, it's 12 months to 1 million. We're going to put a link in the show notes for you to get yourself a copy because I have a feeling we just scratched the surface and I have a feeling you break this down very specifically into the book. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people that will be looking to grab that copy. Well, that's great. If anybody is starting a new initiative or going in a new direction, this is going to be the playbook to building a seven-figure business. Thanks so much. Ryan, this was powerful. Thank you for your time. And everybody, stay superhuman. And thanks for listening. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.